Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. Hello there, everyone. It's so great to see you all. My dear, dear friends, whom I know so well, and you, of course, know me. No, I am not the Oscar Mayer wiener. <laughs> but since you've known me for so, so long, you can remember the first word I ever taught you. When you were an itty, itty baby, it was that word, no. <laughs> Have a bite of that applesauce. No. Share that cookie with your sister. No. Please aim, wipe, and flush. No. <laughs> and so you know my name. Anybody want to guess? Somebody in the early service said your father Chris. <laughs> That's true. But I'll give you a hint. And I ain't too proud of it. I'm not just your imagination. Okay, I'll tell you, come on, get ready. It's me. Temptation. And I feel right at home here in the motel. <laughs> so I came to whisper to you when you were younger, when you got older, I taught you not no, but yes. Remember when I whispered in your ear, you know better than your parents. Yes. They're, they're just trying to control you. Yes. You don't need anybody in the world but yourself. Yes. Then, of course, as you grew up, if you grew up, I got more sophisticated. And so did you, as I whispered these words in your ear. You don't have to study. Just sit next to Judy. She gets all the right answers. Just copy from her. Just take one hit of this. Everybody's doing it. It feels great. And you're young. It won't hurt you. You can drive home. You don't have that far to go. You didn't have that much. Besides, you don't want your parents to know you've overindulged. They'd be crushed. And then as you grew up into adulthood, I whispered these words in your ear. Oh, you can take that home from the office. They don't pay you enough anyway. Besides, you will notice. Go ahead and buy it. You deserve it. And besides, a lot of people have three maxed out credit cards. Don't give that bum a dollar. You know he's only going to spend it on drugs. Of course, me, temptation. As you know, I don't just work on my own. I have a partner who I work with. <laughs> His name is biology. Me and biology work together to tell you all kinds of things. For hundreds and thousands of years, he's been at work in you too. When your ancient ancestors roamed the earth, their life expectancy was 20, maybe 30 if they were lucky. And that was true for hundreds and hundreds of generations. And their biggest problem, unlike ours, was not obesity, it was starvation. So when they found some food, they ate it right away. 
If they found something sweet, which meant energy, they ate as much of it as they could. These folks specialized in short-termism. Life is too short. Better enjoy it right now. And this developed into a biology that's still around today. When times have changed drastically, Stanford University says that half of today's American five-year-olds will live to 100. And by the year 2050, the average American will live to 100. Of course, this was not the case for our ancestors and biology here. He's taken much longer to catch up. He is why we still tend to put on way too much emphasis on the right now and not much emphasis on later. Yes, you can blame him for that urge to scarf down six cookies instead of two. To go out and lease an extravagant car today instead of fully funding your retirement tomorrow. Short-termism has got us so worried about dying in plane crashes or from Ebola that we stress eat on french fries and chain smoke cigarettes that are way more likely to lead to cancer and heart disease down the road and far more likely to kill us. So between biology and me, you've got a lot of chatter coming across your radio waves because that's our job, to tempt you, to entice you, to trap you, and we do it pretty darn well. <laughs> but that's where our job ends. We just talk. You guys are the ones that do. We don't sin. You do. Don't fall for old Flip Wilson's line, the devil made me do it. You did it. It's just our job to make a couple of suggestions. So friends, and I do mean friends, after all, however frail we may feel in the face of temptation, temptation honors us with the assumption that we are free to choose and that our choices are real and they're important. Temptation is evidence of free will, of conscience, of responsibility. It involves painful conflict because God has created a desirable world in which our choices matter. Our actions have consequences and issues are worth struggling over. Temptation testifies to our freedom even what we call the fall is proof of how real human freedom really is. For we can only really love God because we're also free to refuse him. You want to thank God for me. You want to thank God for temptation. So because I'm your friend, I'm going to leave you here this morning giving you three tips, three ways to help you deal with me. The first is know who I am, what I'm about, what I can do. The second is know who you are, who you are at your core, what you can do, what you can. And the third is know what you're supposed to do. You know, somewhere over the rainbow, there's this place called Oz. A little girl named Dorothy, a scarecrow, a tin man, and a lion, well, one day they found that place at the end of a yellow brick road. They were looking for this man called the wizard. Now, this wizard had a big voice. No. Had a loud voice. No. 
had a microphone. Yeah. He was feared and respected and revered, and not because he was big. It was because he was all talk. He was all bravado. He was all temptation. And so temptation is not your inevitable destiny. Like the wizard in The Wizard of Oz, all talk, all bravado, all lies. Every person here has a story about some temptation that they've succumbed to. Maybe once, maybe a hundred once. But also some daunting habit, some un unspeakable behavior, some unsolvable problem that confounded and conquered us at one point in our lives, but that somehow, some way, God got us out of it. God set us free. And if you and God can do it once, you and God can do it again. With God, nothing is impossible. I'm not the one in charge. Temptation's not in charge. You and God are. And you've made it before, and you can make it again. At the very end of today's gospel, we heard Deacon Mike quote Jesus when Jesus said, get away, devil. And what did the devil do? Went away. That's what the devil does, because that's who he is. Someone who has to listen to you. Know who I am. Know who you are. Know what you're supposed to do. When Jesus was tempted in today's gospel, it came right on the heels of another iconic event. It was his baptism by John in the River Jordan. When this voice came from heaven and called out, this is my beloved, my son, in whom I am well pleased. This is as descriptive of Jesus as it is of you. You are God's beloved. You are the one in whom God is well pleased. I know that me and biology here have got it ingrained in you otherwise, that you are weak like worms, you're paltry and pathetic, you're meaningless, you're minuscule. But see what happens, what happened with Jesus when he got clarity and when we get clarity. Jesus goes into the wilderness. What is this place but a quiet place to pray? And he fasts, doesn't say he starved, but he just got so caught up in God that feasting was not at the top of his mind. And does prayer and fasting make us spiritually weak? No, that's why we do it over Lent. It makes us strong, it made Jesus strong. It made Jesus strong enough to claim his rightful identity. He didn't have to listen to temptation. He did not waver or vacillate or beat around the bush. His preparation, not his position, put temptation to flight. It is our preparation that puts temptation to flight. Why else during Lent do we fast, pray, be generous, go to church? These are habits that make us the people we really are. Jesus connected with who he was and whose he was. That which was deepest inside of him came out. We tend to think that Jesus beat the devil because Jesus was God. And that's just what God does. God always beats the devil. No, he beat the devil because like you and me, he was human. 
had God inside of him, and by putting in place habits and practices, he was able to lick him. And you and I can look back at our track records and look forward and see that we can do that too. What are the habits and practices we are cultivating to ready us for our temptations? Every magazine, TV show, conversation, partner, book, movie, everything like this we give time to is sculpting our future self. Want to know what you'll look like down the road? What you'll value? What will interest you? What will take up your time? Look at what you're doing today. Today is just upstream from tomorrow. Every habit, ritual, preference, and choice shapes and molds our future self. Watch what you surround yourself with. It's what you're becoming. And you guys got your Twitter account up. Watch what you surround yourself with. It's what you're becoming. Let us be wise as to who we are and who we can be, and to how our present habits and behaviors are carving out who that person is and is becoming. For God has given us tools to be victors over temptation, winners and conquerors and kings over that which seeks to bring us down, so that we may lift up ourselves and we may lift others up just as importantly. Know who I am. Know who you are. Know what you're supposed to do. The story is told about the famous Protestant reformer, Martin Luther. One night he was lamenting with his friends. They were gathered around a table drinking beers and, and, and eating dinner. And one monk spoke up and said, Martin Luther, things aren't going so well. Another one said, we're being persecuted like never before. Another one said, I'm not so sure we're doing the right thing. It's at that point that Martin Luther's wife got up, her name was Katie, and she went to the back room and she dressed herself all in black from head to toe and she came out and she sat back at the table. The others just looked at her and they said, why? Katie said, well, she thought by listening to the conversation that God had died and that there was some sort of funeral going to be taking place. God has not died, friends. Have confidence that that which God has started, God will finish in every one of our lives here this morning, in every pew here. There is a life so loved and, and appointed by God to go out and do work that only you can do. Have faith, have confidence. God is working through you. God, what God has started, God will finish. Our mission here then, friends, is clear, to be agents of hope, agents of reconciliation. We are not to fall prey to temptation, but to be aware, confident, and hopeful about where God is leading us, which is to be agents of love to a world in desperate need of this message. I am temptation, your friend. Know who I am. Know who you are. Know what you're supposed to do and you will come to know God like never before. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.